we are in James chapter 1, uh, looking at verses, you know, in a sense, 19 through 29. There's three points that are being made there, as we saw in your notes last week. James has been encouraging the people to follow the way of the Spirit, follow wisdom, and, and produce the fruit of the new age, the fruit of the new birth in their lives, instead of going back to the ways of the world, uh, expression their, their confrontation. Now, he's uh, talking to Jews. We're assuming he's talking to Jews. He addresses them. Uh, they've gone north into Syria, and they are under some kind of opposite op- oppression. We'll say op- oppression uh, financially, culturally, religiously. Uh, these Jews are used to following the law. Uh, we assume that they're dedicated Jews that were faithful to the temple, faithful to the Jewish you know, diet, their, their lifestyle, the things that were pertained in the Torah. And so uh, they are still following that. They've accepted Jesus Christ as believer because it says uh, the word that was planted in them or the word that gave them the, the new life. So we'll look at those verse, that verse again in verse eight, chapter 1, verse 18. They've received the word, so they are born again. They've got a new nature. But what they are having tension with, apparently, is just living, going back into the world and, and facing their issues with the way the world faced them continuing to follow the Torah, but being willing to do things that would be, in a sense, against the Spirit of Christ, against the way of walking, we would generally say it, in love or in peace or in God's righteousness. Last week we saw that they're willing to use man's anger in an attempt to bring about God's righteousness. And they says, James says, there's no way that man's anger is going to produce the righteousness of God. There's no way that man's will in the fallen nature is going to produce the will of God. And so they're going to, the word, they, they are born again. He's not calling to evangelize them. What he's calling them to do, and this is a theme throughout Paul's writings, is now that they are in Christ, they are in the word, to mature. They're, they're being called to, well, it says, the word that's very interesting is the word humble, humbly accept, or meekly accept, meaning you're going to have to put down your own pride, the own way, your own way of looking at things. This is the way I was raised. This is the way our culture deals with things. Even the way that they've interpreted the Torah. Now, the, word, the Torah, the Word of God, the Old Testament, is accurate, but they have taken it and adjusted it to fit their culture. That's why you see Jesus Christ, who is the living Word, come to the people with the Torah, which is the Word of God, and they have a confrontation because they've adapted this to their culture we do the same thing with the bible we we have our cultural views what we want we take the bible verses and adjust them to fit what we want and that's not being humble that's not being meek that's taking the word and twisting it to fit what we so we don't have to change we change the word now it's that's human nature it's not like those people over there do it well the jews did it we we saw that we know churches are doing that we would say the progressive churches or the liberal churches are doing that and and, but we're not. Well, we're just like that. We're doing the same thing. That's where we have to. James is telling his people, humbly accept the word that has been planted in you and let it grow. And so when I look at the way I face things, face situations, I'm going to have to humble myself, be meek, and say, okay, God's got a better way of doing it. I'm going to have to hear, hear the word and then do it to produce the righteousness of God. And so that is what he's looking at here in these uh, verses that we've got we could say 22 through 29 today but we'll go back to verse 19 through 29 and i'll read that here in the niv and we'll come back and talk through it uh, chapter 1 verse 19 uh we talked about these verses last week my dear brothers again notice he calls them brothers he's he's in fellowship with them he puts them in the same category take note of this everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And so right there, quick to listen. What, what are we listening to? It doesn't say specifically quick to listen, just to each other. I mean, you can have that just as a general principle. Be, be slow to speak. That's out of the wisdom literature. Be slow to speak. Think about things. But the quick to listen most likely is quick to listen to this word, although it doesn't say that specifically. Uh, but if it's addressing the slow to or quick to listen to the word, well, then you'd have to apply that to the next line, which would be slow to speak the word. So you've got to be careful saying they're just supposed to listen to the word. 
he's probably meaning you be, don't always have like an answer. Go ahead and listen to what's going on and have, take time to kind of reflect. Because if you just start responding in your natural na- nature, you're going to continue to go the way of the world. So be quick to listen, slow to speak, and do not become angry. Or slow to become angry. So instead of just all of a sudden they say this or they oppress you here and boom, I'm speaking. Well, no, no, listen to what they're saying. Don't say anything and don't respond in anger. Let this word dwell in you and then let it produce this fruit. Give it time to grow. So I would think that's what he's aiming for. For man's anger, if you just speak right away, your will, your anger, your desire is not going to produce the will of God. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. And that righteous life is what he wants you living. Therefore, because that's the case, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. Again, pointing out moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. That, that's just your way of looking at things. It's not, it's not necessarily anything specifically, but anything that's coming out of this, your human nature that you're responding to, put that aside and let the word that's been planted. Notice it says the word planted in you or the implanted word. At the new birth, that word was planted. And this is, this is a very important and again, if you don't agree with this, that's, that's fine to keep thinking. But I think we're talking about two things here. The implanted word, and that is at what was going to produce the new birth. Uh, that is what we'd call uh, where you are justified. Uh, you are what we would say, or I would say, phase one of salvation. You, the word of God came into you and it gave you the new birth. You were born again. You were justified. You are in Christ. We're not talking about you now getting saved. You are saved. But now that you have the implanted word, you're going to have to humbly uh, receive it. Well, let's go back so you can see the verse. Go back to verse, is it 18? Yeah, verse 18. He, He, God, chose to give us birth through the word of truth. So the word of truth came into you and it produced the new birth. You've been given, that's why you can produce the fruit of the spirit. Where now, that word that has been brought into you, now we could probably say, we'll just say the word uh, that was, how would I say that? Let me, so I get verse 18 written here correctly. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. So birth through, I'll misspell through, I spelled many things wrong. Birth through the word that came well now that word is in you it's a seed peter's going to say the same thing it's been implanted in you and now you're going to have to receive it uh now it's already there but we're talking about receiving it into your again if we say this was your spiritual new birth it's there you've been born again now you're conscious of it but you've got to make a conscious decision i'm going to now hear this word it gave me new life i'm going to follow this word and let it transform me into this new creature and it's going to take humility you're going to have to be humble because you're basically saying here at the new birth you would recognize i'm a sinner i need christ i need salvation through christ okay you've humbled yourself and received this word and you're born again now that it's been implanted in you now it's going to continue to teach you and you're going to also say now all these things I think, the way I was raised, this culture that I'm in, uh, just my natural state, I need to change all. Well, that's the way I've always done it. Well, you're going to have to change the way you've always done it. And it's going to be a matter of humbly receiving this. Im- it's implanted. It's there. But you're going to have, and this is going to now renew your mind. This would be now uh, the renewal of the mind. This would be sanctification. Uh, where you're going to start living a life that is pleasing to God. Or, again, this is phase two of salvation. Now, this is, you know, I call it phase one, phase two, phase three. We've said it before. In theology, this is justification. You're in Christ. You're justified. This now is your life process. You're being sanctified. Now, the word sanctification is going to be used two times, two different ways, because at this point of the new birth, we're going to see a verse if i keep going through the notes paul's going to mention here during this phase right here that they've been sanctified in that case sanctified means set apart you are justified in christ and set apart for his will 
That is positional sanctification. You've been sanctified. You're, you're holy, set apart for God. This now is, we can say, practical sanctification. You're now going to, through the Word, with the help of the Spirit, sanctify yourself. You're going to start now living. You've been justified. You've been sanctified in Christ. Now you're going to start living a sanctified life. We're going to start seeing it. This right here, you could be sanctified. Uh, you could be justified but not look any different in the world. Paul calls them sleepers. Rise from the dead, you sleepers. I mean, a sleeper looks like they're dead. And so you may be justified, you may be set apart for Christ, but you're still, you have not humbly received the word and been transformed and now in phase two here, been sanctified or have sanctified your actions. You're in the process, we are in the process of being sanctified. And that's what's being said here. So we go back to the, the text here as i'm reading through this therefore verse 21 therefore get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and again it was among them they were not they were not sanctified in their lives the people james is writing to have not been sanctified in the way they behave they're sanctified in christ but not in the same way when paul writes the corinthians he calls them those that are sanctified in christ but yet they've got total disaster in their life. You need to be sanctified in your life. The Galatians, everyone that they get a letter, they're being addressed as you need to mature. And again, that's, the, that's where we're at in, the, in history. We're, we're living in Christ, but needing to mature. He chose to give us birth. Okay, I'm in verse 19. Uh, uh, For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now again, well, it sounds like they need to be saved. Well, saved here. This, their spirit is saved. They are justified, but they are not saved in their soul, in their mind. They're, they're not innocent. Paul always talks about uh, working out your own salvation. This is a process where we're at. We're in the process of our souls being saved. Now, we're in Christ. We're going to heaven, but we're not sanctified. And that's what he's saying right here. Uh, which can save you. Verse 22, our new material. Do not merely, there's several things in this we're going to come back and look at. Do not merely listen to the word, so deceive yourself. So right there, there's a place where you can listen to the word. Now these Jews that he's writing to that are in Syria around 45 AD are probably going to synagogue or going to some kind of a synagogue setting that has accepted jesus as the messiah we'd call it a church but they maybe don't identify it as a church yet um they would be listening to the torah they would be now remember when the, if it's 45 a.d which is a very solid estimate i mean that's not that's not out of the picture it's not like radical there is no letters of paul in fact james may know who paul is well he definitely knows saul the persecutor uh and he may know that paul has been converted and may have had some, you know, some kind of communication with him. But Paul has not started writing his letters yet. The D- Jerusalem Council has not taken place yet. It's just a few months away, if, if that, that's the case. So when we talk about the, uh, the word, we talk about hearing these things, listening to the word, we're not talking about anything that Paul wrote. We're not talking about anything that John wrote. The Gospel of John's not there. Uh, we're not talking about the book of Revelation. That's not going to be written yet. Uh, we could have some early documents or writings of the life of Christ. It would not be Mark, it would not be Luke, and it's definitely not John. Matthew, depending on how you look at it, Matthew could have been taking notes. There's probably notes that Matthew has written down. Other people, have, like Luke says, many have undertaken to write down the things that have been done among us. And that was around 62, 60 A.D., so by this time, there's probably somebody has written down what we'd say the gospel account, but if we don't have a copy of that, it's not like in an official format yet or recognized by what we'd say the church. So there's no New Testament letters. The gospels have not been written, and if there is anything about the life of Christ written, it's, it's, it's notes, it's, you know, whatever it is, it's out there. There's oral traditions. There's the teachings of Christ that have been handed down. This Jewish culture once again was very big on memorization uh you'd have to uh memorize if you ever even used a reference i made a point you would have to quote the reference in the old testament 
uh, there, was, there were those that had the entire Torah memorized. Uh, for you to be, uh, you know, to be recognized as a, a man in a synagogue, you know, as a 12-year-old going through bar mitzvah, whatever we would say here, uh, you would have to have large portions of the Torah memorized. So it was not uncommon, and they would recite it to each other. They'd recite it when they were making, you know, sermons, speeches. Um, and those that were listening were also had it memorized. So they could check each other it's like when i like i like to read my text my bible while you're holding the bible and so that the whole time i'm teaching i can't say well the word of god says and i'm the only one that's got the text and you're like well i guess that's what it says well you can read go well my translation you even happen sometimes i'll say well i'm reading the niv say well my translation doesn't say that it's like well that's that's what's going on here too so they had the old testament they were familiar with it and they would have had some kind of oral teachings about what christ said about christ's life and they would have james instruction which he would probably include in this you know he's explaining the word to him but understand this when it says humbly accept the word uh or listen to the word we're not talking about the new testament okay here we go uh verse uh 22 do not merely listen to the word so deceive and so deceive yourselves in other words there's a place where you can listen i'm in synagogue listening i'm in the early church listening to the word of god uh but i'm not i'm not doing it i'm just listening i'm just an obedient jew following the rituals of the law you're telling me this is what it says but i'm just hearing it i'm in in synagogue i'm in church but i go out well you're deceived because it's not just a matter of hearing the word and being born again. This continues here. The healthy Christian life is you get born again and you continue to hear the word until it transforms your thinking and changes the way you think, the way you talk, and the way you behave, the way you act. And now we're making progress. If that never happens, my friends, James is saying, and we're going to look at several verses, you're deceived. Well, I'm a Christian, I'm born again but have you changed well i'm going to heaven when i die okay my friend you are deceived now i'm not saying you're not going to heaven but you're at least deceived in the christian process here we'll let james say it and i'll come back and talk about it do not merely listen to the words and so deceive yourself do what it says now that is the idea here is you've been born again you're going to hear the word receive the word and you're going to start doing what the word says it's going to you're going to produce the fruit of the word Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says, now here's, here's a, this is, everybody knows this verse about James, is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who, are you ready for this? But the man who looks intently, the NIV says, into the perfect law and that is the word pneumos that is not the word logos that we've been saying all the way with the word hear the word do the word uh the implanted word it's logos all of a sudden he says uh who looks but the man who looks intently into the perfect law pneumos which is the word for torah the per he's saying the man who looks intently into the perfect Torah, and those are words that we'll look at the words in the Greek. It is the word perfect, teleos, which means complete, perfect, mature, Torah, that gives freedom. It's not, the, you see right here, it, it says Torah, but he identified, and we're going to come back and spend some time with this. He says Torah, but he identifies it as you need to look intently into it. It is the complete, mature, perfect torah and it is the complete perfect torah that gives freedom not legal situations not laws but freedom so you've got he uses the word torah but then he moves it into the age of christ and after christ where you've received the word of god through christ you've been born again because it has to include jesus message because of the new birth because they are born again they've the word of god has been implanted but this is not the Old Testament Torah. It is the Old Testament Torah in a complete, mature fashion that includes Jesus' teaching, and it's come to another level. It's an eschatological fulfillment. 
Uh, and so he defines it. It's the word Torah, but he defines it as the perfect law. And again, understand in Psalm 19, 119, the law or the word of God is called perfect there also. So again, you could go back and say, well, it is the Torah because it's called perfect in the book of Psalm 119. Uh, but when it throws in the word freedom, stuff like that, that sounds more like Jesus' teaching. Paul's teaching about being liber- liberated. You're, you're set free in Christ. The word of God has set you free and ties into Jeremiah 31. The Old Testament Torah, the covenant, they could not keep. Even when Peter was talking uh, to the, the Jews when he got called in after being at Cornelius' house, he says, you know, you're trying to put a, 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 a yoke on these Gentiles that neither we nor our fathers could bear. We've had this Torah since the days of Moses, and we have never done it. Our fathers didn't do it. We haven't done it. We're continuing to struggle to keep this Torah. We can't do it. It's it's the Torah of bondage, where now in Christ you have freedom. It's fulfilled, and it's described here now, the perfect law that gives freedom, and continue to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. So in other words, in Jeremiah 31, it says God is going to give you a new covenant. And in this case, he's not going to come to your hearts of stone that, you can't, that, that you're set in your sinful ways and then set the standard up here that you can't reach and you're going to continue to fail. I'm going to give you a sacrificial system for you to continue to identify, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. Well, just keep trying. And if you fail, here's the sacrificial system. The day is coming where I'm going to give you a new covenant Jesus identified the covenant that is in his blood. And then God says, when that comes, I'm going to write my laws on your heart and you will be obedient. You're going to, your heart is going to be ma- matched with this covenant, this, this Torah, this law, this word, and you're going to be able to produce these things. And so that's what James is saying. This is now not the old Torah. This is the perfect Torah that gives freedom, that matches Jeremiah. And this, he says it right here. You've been given birth through the word, meaning you're justified. You are in Christ. Now, it's written on your heart. It's implanted. The Torah was never implanted in them. It was out there for them to remember. They're told to remember this, remember this. But you would, it was never in them. It was always a goal they could never attain. This has been planted in you. All you have to do, again, all, like I make it sound simple. The idea here is it's here you just have to receive it and let it begin to transform you and you'll begin to produce the fruit. It's not the old law. And you can see these people struggling because they're, they're Jews and they're, they're still obeying the law of Moses. They're still following the rituals, but they're not coming over here and producing the fruit of this new covenant because they're still stuck here. They're still thinking this way and they've got to trans, let this transformation takes place. Uh, it goes on and says, Uh, But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Now, blessed would mean, you know, of when he does it, it would be in time, but potentially eschatological. Now, verse 26, I'm going to read this because this is the third point. The first point was don't speak in anger. The second point is, is receive the word. Now, the third point is, if anyone considers himself religious, and that's, just, we'll come back and talk about this. Religious, religion is an interesting concept here in the New Testament because it's never, in a sense, it's never talked about the Christian religion or uh, Paul never says, you know, you need to go to church and be religious. It's always the, con- the general religion, like the j- religion of the Gentiles or the religion of the Jews. Where here James says, Anyone who considers himself religious, and he's going to use the word religion, meaning you have a religion, and that would be, in their case, they'd be Jews following the Torah. He says, if you consider yourself religious, but you cannot do these things, yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. You say, well, I, if we go back and say these, he's writing to Jews, he's in Jerusalem, writing to Jews that have fled to Syria in 45 AD, and they've taken their Jewish culture, their Jewish religion with them, and they're very religious. They're in synagogue. They're in some kind of a, a, a church setting that has accepted Christ, still in a Jewish setting. He says, if you consider yourself religious, 
Yes, we are. We're very religious. But yet you don't control your tongue. You're still following the law religiously, but yet you're saying whatever you want to say. Your religion is worthless. Now, that word worthless is the same ideal of vain, empty. It's the word used for idolatry in the Old Testament. If you have a religion, but that religion doesn't lead you to control your mouth, your religion is worthless. You could push that. Your religion is idolatry. It's as empty, at least. It's worthless. It's as worthless as idolatry. You have rituals. You have a routine. But it has no impact on your life. You're still living exactly the way you want to live. And your religion has not made any impact. It is a worthless religion. Now, so in other words, he could be saying, you follow the Torah, you follow the law of Moses, you've got all these rituals, and you've accepted Christ, the word's been implanted in you, but you're not letting it change your life. It's, you're no different than an idolater. You have not even changed, you look exactly like the world. If anyone considers himself religious, he does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself, and his religion is worthless. Verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless, this is the religion that God is looking for, is this, to look after the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And we've got to talk about that in more detail. But what the religion, you've got a religion that you've got all these rules, but you don't control your mouth. It has no impact on your life. The religion God is looking for is a religion that impacts you and transforms your heart. So your actions, what do they look like? Well, they look like you're helping the oppressed. You're in there helping those that need help. You're helping other people, in this case, the orphan and the widow. But also, you're not being polluted by the world. You're living above the world. The world is in this sewer down here trying to survive and survival for the fittest and fight fire with fire, however they're doing it. You're not polluted by that. You're able to live in righteousness, looking for God's will, continuing to be righteous, kind, gracious. The nature of God is being produced in this age. And so, I'm following the law of Moses, whatever. Are you taking care of the orphan and the widow, and are you living above the ways of the world? Or are you living just exactly like the world? If you're living just like the world, your religion is powerless. And so, that is where we're looking at right here. So, let's go to the notes. And uh, in your notes, I've got written there the, the English Standard Version. And I want to point a few things out. In fact, we're going to go through some verses and uh, see uh, Paul say some of the same things. So uh, page one at the very top, the third bullet point down, these are the three themes or the three phases he's going to talk about. Chapter 1, verse 19 through 21 is speech, words and anger. Your words cannot be anger. They've got to have to be inspired by the word of God, meaning you have to produce the fruit. The one we're looking at today, chapter 1, verse 22 through 25, is deeds. Hearing the word and action. The hearing has to produce action. If you're just hearing and not producing, you are deceived. You're, you're just hearing. And there's two ways of being deceived, of hearing the word and not letting it affect you, or being in a religion but not controlling your mouth, you're deceived. If, it, if your religion, if the word of God that you're listening to doesn't transform your life, you're deceived. Now, this is a great place to attack, for example, a ministry like Generation Word, because what I do is I teach the word of God. I teach the word of God, and that's the end of the ministry. It's like, and so what do you do? I teach, explain the word of God. So you come, you hear the word of God, and uh, that's it. Well, looks like it's a worthless religion. It is, if it just is an academic exercise. I believe, if you want to call, call again, there's this the idea of, of mystic or mysticism that is, is bad in the idea that you're going off and you're trying to find God in, in you know, the spiritual world and you're hearing visions and revelations and you're bypassing the Word of God and having this mystical experience. Well, that's very dangerous because you're out there pursuing demons or spirits, or what you call God. And so mysticism in that sense is poor, bad, it's dangerous. But at the same time, if you consider mysticism in the idea that God is out here, 
outside of creation. We are in here. Time, we're all living in here. And this is us. And God has sent His Word, His revelation that we can't find ourselves. He's given us His Word. And it enters here. This is a form of mysticism or mystic it is here coming and it's got a power a power from out here meaning the word of god when it comes in here it's not just academic information indeed we communicate it academically we we talk about the history we talk about the language we compare verse we create theology uh, uh, we got categories of theology and become very academic but the reason i do that you could do that with history you could do that with chemistry you can do that with any area become very academic the difference with this word of god is it is mystic it has a mystical power again i'm using that word in a positive sense now meaning it it comes from out here it comes from outside of the created world it is historical it can be expressed in, in in linguistically it can be categorized and compared and studied you can write papers about it you can dialogue, you can debate, you can have different positions. But this word has power. It has power to cause you to be born again. Born from this kingdom of darkness, born into the coming age, born in Christ. It has power now to transform your thinking so you see and can perform at a level, especially when it's combined by, guess what, the Spirit of God. I mean, it's not just the word that's got a, a power that's from a, another dimension. It comes and is empowered here in time by the Spirit of God. And we, I can say there are two different things. You've got the word, the revelation, the information, and then you've got the Spirit of God, and that has power. The Spirit of God is coming alongside of it and helping you understand it. And you yourself, us ourselves, have been born again. That word is implanted in us. I mean, we have new life, so we've got new life that we did not have before. We've got the Spirit also within us, and we've got the Word that has a mystical power of transforming us. Uh, so now, how do we receive that Word? You can't just have the Spirit. You can't just be, well, I've accepted Christ. You at some point are going to have to pass through the vehicle of communication that God has created here, it is word, it is language, it is communication, it is thought, it is history. You're going to have to process it. You are going to have to hear it. You're going to have to study it for it to have an impact. If you do not hear the word, it cannot affect you. If you do not study and look intently into the word or the Torah that gives freedom, the perfect Torah that gives freedom, you can't understand it. It's not just going to jump on you. It's not something you're going to go, you know, osmosis, or you're just, because I go to church. I go to church every Sunday. Do they teach the word? No, we sing and we have coffee. Well, you've got to hear the word. So there is a place of hearing. James is warning you of those who think that hearing the word is all you need. I, I hear the word. I read the word. He's saying you've got to become a doer. And I believe my ministry is to teach and communicate this word into us who have the Spirit, who have been born again, and that word is going to transform us if you humbly accept it. If you, in your meekness, if you say, I want to, I want to be like Christ, this is going to transform you. If you don't have the word, if you don't hear it, and you say, I want to be like Christ, well, where's your model? It's like, well, it's the, the nice transgender people. It's like, well, I'm going to be like them and just accept everybody except those who don't accept us. It's like, well, now you're following Christ. You, you created your own. It's like Christ, God's word, is going to come to you and you're going to know what you're supposed to do. If you don't hear it, you're going to fill in the gap with some idol, some emptiness, something vanity. And so I am critical of the ideal of just hearing the word of God but at the same time, if you don't teach it, and I would say that's the problem. Our problem as a society, I would say, if this is my opinion, and of course it's my opinion, it's open to debate, is not that we do not have people doing the Word of God. We've got entire generations that do not know the Word of God. 
I would challenge, if we want to, you want to put a challenge out there, I would challenge us if we would teach and communicate and explain the word of God to the hearts of people, get people born again, and then instruct them in the word, not teach them Christianese, some kind of Christian lifestyle, some kind of Christian logo, lingo, but teach them the word of God, they will be transformed, not just being born again, but transformed in the image of Christ. Now, I challenge those who say, well, what we need to do is just get people born again, or we need to have people start doing the Word of God. Well, there's a lot of churches, there's a lot of Christians that you say you need to get out and do the Word of God. They're going to do exactly whatever their culture's doing. They're going to they're going to sing songs like them. They're going to have potlucks like them. They're going to go out and be tolerant of everything and not be judgmental and everything's fine. It's like, well, we're doing the word. No, you're doing the culture. You have not been transformed. You've got to first hear and meekly accept it and you yourself be transformed and then your life will change. Well, here we go. Does that make sense? So, I mean, I, I am open to criticism or you just teach the Bible. And I've been criticized. You know I've been criticized having a, a spirit of traditionalism and all kind he just teaches and teaches and teaches with the understanding that you're born again the spirit of god is working in your life and when you combine the truth of the word of god with your born again spirit with the spirit of god leading you're gonna you're thinking you have to either reject it and say i disagree with that i i arrogantly reject the teaching of the word of god and continue in your way or you're gonna say well you know not that galen's right but the word of god is right and meekly say you know and it's going to not just challenge you it's going to empower you it's going to be your source of motivation it's going to be the grease on the wheels it's going to be what takes you to that place of transforming your life and it's going to be the voice in the back of your head saying this is the way now i believe that so i teach and then mystically trust your born again spirit and the spirit of god to produce something with it i i'm not for example or a pastor or you know bible teacher is not uh you know again be careful with this a life coach in the sense of we're going to meet tomorrow at seven o'clock and practice being christians and i'm going to have these maybe maybe i'm more of an idea that you hear you're born again you're mature you're an adult you hear the truth and if you don't want to do it you're going to reject it and go your way if you do want to, you've got a Bible, you hear the word, you're going to accept it and it's going to transform your life. If I show up tomorrow at seven o'clock for a Christian coaching, or if you show up by yourself, does that make sense? Meaning you do not need me walking with you or a pastor walking with you. What you need is the truth of the word of God in your soul and the spirit. Now, again, there's a place for Christian fellowship. There's a place for churches and pastors and all that. But my confidence is not in you hooking up with a a pastor are you getting in a small group my confidence is you hearing and understanding the word of god and doing it which appears to be james he doesn't say he who hears the word make sure you find a small group an accountability partner and you guys make sure you do the word it's like you hear it and do it you don't need a small group you don't you know now i'm not saying that's bad but that's not the topic right here the point is hearing and doing my point is you can't do if you don't hear so i'm going to teach so you hear and you're going to have to do it. End of story. I teach, you do. And I do, Tony does, if that makes sense. And there's definitely room for criticism in my little spiel there. So we are on page, here we see if this makes sense, page two of the notes, it says part two, and here's the first verse, chapter one, verse 22. This is our first of our material today, 40 minutes into the message. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only deceiving yourself. So the English standard says, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. Uh, and I write all those things. Point one, receive with meekness. And I think I pointed that out. Uh, explained all that. Point two, be, to be born of the word and hear the word without doing it is a form of self-deception. Uh, to hear the word but not do it would be similar to being double-minded, already mentioned. To accept the word means to do the word. And that's the equivalent. If you're not doing the word, here's the test. If you are, if you are doing the word, then you have accepted it. It's not so matter a mental assent. I accept the word of God. You do? Yes, I do. Okay, let's see it. 
if you have accepted it, you're going to be, here's the word, here's what you heard. Now, how do we know if you accepted it? Well, I agree with Galen's doctrine. Okay, so you accept the word of God? That's, that would be academic. That would be intellectual. Now, it's like, has that penetrated your heart? Are you doing what the word says? That is how you tell if you've accepted it, is you are doing it. This is a call for those, okay, uh, point B, 2B. To accept the word means to do the word C. Hearing the word is not a completed action. I, I stand by that. You hearing me teach or you hearing the Bible taught is not a completed action. It's, it's, the, it's the planting of the seed. We need to have you do it. It needs to produce fruit. Uh, the sequence would be hear the word, accept the word, do the word. Chapter 1, verse 21, it says, in humility, receive the implanted word. This is not a call for readers to be evangelized or to come to Christ. This is a call for these believers who have already been born again and have already had the word of God implanted in their souls to receive it and let it transform their life. Now these believers have to humble themselves and allow the word to renew their minds. Point four, if these believers do not allow the word to transform them, they have deceived themselves. If this does not happen, if this you're not doing the word you are what we'd say born again you the word has been implanted in you and you're hearing the word but you're not doing it if you're not in this box you are deceived ah deceived your religion is worthless it's it's idolatry it's it's empty now we go to page uh page three and i've got several verses right here if you don't mind, these are from Paul's writings mentioning the ideal of being deceived. First of all, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. This captures exactly what I'm saying right here. It doesn't use the word deceived, but here it is. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Now he's talking to Romans in Rome who are believers. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So again, the idea there is you're, you're receiving this word. It's going to transform. He's talking about your mind is being transformed, and then you will know what God's will is. You'll be able to produce. Uh, and you know that word right there. The op- option is, to be conformed to the world, you're a born-again believer, and you're living just like the world. You haven't been transformed. You've just conformed. You need to be transformed by this word. Your mind needs to be renewed, which means everything you thought needs to be tweaked and, and adjusted to the revelation of God's word, the power that has come in through the truth penetrating into our cosmos. It is one of the greatest things, besides the fact that Jesus became flesh, and entered the cosmos the fact that god's word has entered the cosmos through the prophets in the old testament through the torah but then through the apostles through jesus himself and we have it here this is again this word of god is supernatural it has come i mean it's very normal it can be translated in different languages but it is a revelation from outside the cosmos colossians 2 6 through 8 listen to this Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. Now, how did they receive Christ Jesus as Lord? They heard the story. They heard the account. They heard what we'd say, the gospel. And as you receive Christ, you heard the message, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So you were taught about Jesus and you accepted Jesus, what do I do now? You continue the same way. You continue to hear about Christ. You heard about Christ as Savior, but now you need to hear about Christ as life, as the way, as the word, as the coming judge, as as the author of all of creation. See to it, watch this, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition in other words you receive christ by divine revelation of the word now continue in that word and start growing and be thankful for it your option is to be deceived 
and taken captive by a philosophy of the world according to human tradition, which is how you started. You already were in human tradition. You knew human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. In other words, now you've got a spiritual battle. The traditional ways of the world are empowered by the elemental spirits, the deceitful age right here, which is Satan and the fallen angels. Or you can receive this revelation and stop living this way and grow in Christ. And that's what Paul says in Colossians 2. 1 John 3, 5 through 10. Watch to see if this keeps making sense. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So now we're talking, John is talking, and he's talking about, we'll just say, the church. He's talking about believers. He is not trying to say the world is sinning. He's talking about those who are here in Christ and are maturing and going this way. They're growing. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. If you are here and you're practicing sin, now he, the English standard is practicing sin. It's, it's not just you sin, because John in the same book says, anyone who says I have no sin is a liar. So you cannot say, yeah, that's not me because I don't sin. Or you can't say, well, I did sin. I must not be following God. No, he says, if you say you haven't sinned, you're deceived. In other words, everyone should say at some point, I sinned. That's why he has in that verse, John, what is it, 1, 9, it says, he who confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. Meaning you need to continue to confess your sin. Why? Because you might sin? No, because you are sinning. You are going to sin. But you're growing this way. You're, you're proceeding. It's not like you just stop sinning. As soon as you stop sinning this sin, it's like, oh, now there's another. It's like you are corrupt. That's total depravity of man. It's like, it's just a matter of how far deep in sin are you and your nature. You just, you, until you are glorified and separated from the sin nature, you are always going to have a sin problem. This is talking about, and the, the English standard captured, practice of sin. It's like this is your modus operandi. The, the, I do this. Are you trying to correct it? No. That's the what. that's modus operandi. That's the way I do things. It's sin. Now, okay. You know that he appeared, Jesus, in order to take away sins. And in him, there is no sin. He appeared to take you out of this. And in him, in Christ, over here, this is the goal, there is no sin. Now, even Paul says, not that I've already obtained all this. I mean, you can get moving your way, but you're never going to get here in this life. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. So this would be abiding, you're aiming for him, but you're, you're, you're in him. You do not keep practicing sin. You may, but you're going to confess it and get out of it and start growing. But if you're just comfortable staying there, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. If you are fine here, well, you've heard the word. I, I, I know Christ. It's like, I don't think so. I don't think you fully understood the concept of being born again or of the ideal of the implanted word and growing in Christ. You've, don't, you've never, what it says here, uh, anyone who keeps on sinning, no one who, who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you, John writes. Meaning someone somewhere is teaching. Now, do, you can turn to 2nd and 3rd John and find out that there are churches in Asia Minor between 85 and 96 AD, 98 AD, probably 85 to 95 AD, that would not accept John's teaching. They did not accept this letter. They did not accept the people that John sent out with this information because they were here, they were comfortable, and they deceived their churches. And it wasn't the pagans that wouldn't let John and his people come. It was the churches that had been taken over by other pastors who had you talk about progressive churches and how corrupt churches are today these are churches that paul started that john timothy taught in that john came in 65 a.d and began to minister in by 85 95 a.d they were gone they were gone 
they'd gone, they would reject. So when John saw, he's not talking about you and me. We can make application. He's talking about his churches that wouldn't let him. You can say right there, they do not allow us to come. They, they, and anybody that accepts us, they, put, they cancel them. If you say, well, I, I kind of like John's teaching. I wish we'd accept John's. They, they, they cancel them, kick them out of the church. This is 85, 90 A.D. Christians were being canceled by pastors for accepting John's doctrine. You can read that in 2 and 3 John. Then John writes, he says, when I come, I'll deal with it. What do you mean? I don't think he's going to be very Christ-like in the Christianese term. He's going to be more like Christ-like, like in the Sons of Thunder. <laughs> okay, whatever. But he says, I'll deal with it. I'll, I'll deal with it when I come. And he was old. I mean, he was like 80 years old. I'll deal with it when I get there. Okay, I, I go on. Off to it. Little children, do not let anyone deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Now, you're, you're righteous in Christ, but you're practicing right. You're, you're, sancti- you're practicing sanctification. You are in Christ righteous, but you are practicing righteousness. You are, you are with Christ. You're heading this way. Now, we know you're never going to be perfect because in the same book, he says, if anyone says, I'm so righteous, I never sin, uh, you're a liar. You see, I'm saying, well, I, I saw that person sin, or I sinned. I must have fallen away. It's like, no, if you, the, if you say, I have not sinned, now you're a liar. If you say, I sinned, okay, right, but you're moving this way. Now, if you're practicing sin, you're stuck here. Well, I don't think you even know him. I, I'm comfortable here. There's an idea of being on this path and sinning and going, that's not comfortable. That's not right. Okay, well, that's good. Confess it and move on. You're heading this way. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, I don't want to repeat myself. That's what I do all the time. Whoever makes a practice of sinning, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Well, we mean not just like, no, he's of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Jesus' entire purpose for coming was to destroy sin, the devil's work. And if you're still in Christ and living in sin comfortably, how do you say you accepted Christ? How do you say you've accepted the word? It's like the reason he came was to destroy this and get you moving this direction. No one born of God, here it is, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. See, if you are here and you say you're in Christ and you're just practicing, this is your, your modus operandi, you are not born of God. For God's seed, would, would be God, the word, abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning. If the word is in you, and you've accepted it, it's going to keep bothering you. Now, you may sin, not may, you will sin, but the word, is, the word that you know, that you've heard, that you've understood, that you've accepted, is going to tell you, no, it's the spirit, it's the word, it's your conscience. It's the renewed mind is saying, no, move this way. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep sinning because he is born of God. But by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. This is those that are say to be born again. This is the, the believers, the church. There are those that are modus operandi sinning. I'm comfortable here. Okay, you're not born of God. Yeah, but I'm the praise and worship leader. Right. I'm the pastor. Right. I'm the Bible teacher. Right. You're not born of God. The person that is born of God is going this way. They've got to have, they've got at some point say, I've sinned because to say you haven't sinned is you're a liar, but you're, you're not comfortable. Well, I'll read it again. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So you're going this way in righteous. You're, you're being righteous towards God and loving those around you, leading others to Christ, showing not love. Okay, love. That means tolerant, not judgmental. No, it means love. You care. You want them to come with you. You're like trying to help them. Okay, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Okay, go back to this is John's model. 
from, say, 90 A.D. We're building on James's teaching from 45 A.D. Now we're talking about Paul in the middle, 45 A.D., 90 A.D. Paul's now writing in 57 A.D. We started here, jumped to here. We're coming back to here, see if it makes all fits together. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither will the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. They are all saying, now again, he's not telling the Corinthians the world is going to hell that's a given if, if you do not accept christ you're already judged you're already condemned he's talking about those who are in the church but they are still living here they're still living they accepted christ they joined okay yeah sure i'll go to heaven and they continue in the ways of the world and they think they're heading towards the king to be in christ we'll say that's the kingdom of god you're heading here it's like no you're not you have heard nothing because you're doing nothing. You can read that list. I mean, you want to get canceled in America? Right here. Sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, men who practice homosexuality, thieves, greedy, drunkards, revilers, swindlers will not inherit the kingdom of God. And such, watch, and such were some of you. There's no hope for them? No. He talks to the Corinthians. Some of you, that's exactly who you were. So in his church of the Corinthians, there were drunkards and swindlers and homosexuals that had come out of that. Now, some of them had just stayed there. They accepted Christ and just stayed there. Some came out and began to move this way. Not a problem. Some came to Christ and just stayed there. He says, you're not, you're not going to the kingdom of God. You haven't even accepted this. I, ha I see you haven't accepted it because it's not changing your life. But he says, uh, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified. There's that word. You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. That word sanctified is being used in the phase one. You were now sanctified. You were set apart by Christ to grow in Christ to produce sanctification in your life. So there's, that's positional sanctification. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Okay. I'm going to go to Ephesians 5. And quit with Ephesians 5. I've got some verses written there. Uh, let's see what happens. we got two minutes. Ephesians 5. I'm reading the NIV. Here we go. Are you ready to hear this? See if you can hear the same thing. I won't have time to make many comments, or at least I should not take time to make any comments. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint. These are the things that you should get rid of. These are the things that you're, you know, chain, get out of the world. Should not be any hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person such a man is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of god, christ and of god let no one deceive you there's a word let no one deceive you with empty words for because of and again those empty words are not in the culture because that's the whole the culture is filled of emptiness the cosmos is empty the cosmos is filled with idolatry these empty words are in the church the empty words are being taught to believers instead of the word of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists of all goodness. This is the fruit you're looking for. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. That sounds like Romans 12. Find out what pleases the Lord. Renew your mind and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. That's an interesting line. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. 
but everything exposed by the light becomes visible for it is the light that makes everything visible this is why it said and here's a song apparently a song from the early church is something they must have sung in the church uh, we, we don't i don't have the lyrics i don't have the music wake up O sleeper that'd be a born-again believer who's not living in christ rise from the dead and christ will shine on you in other words if you're here rise from the dead O sleeper and christ will shine on you you look just like the world believer be very careful then how you live not as unwise but as wise see that's in james if you need wisdom ask for him there's a word wisdom being used making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil therefore do not be foolish but understand what the lord's will is do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's that section right there. We'll pick this up next week, continuing with this idea here. about We're talking about being hearers of the Word. And to be a hearer, you're going to have to be doing the Word. If you hear the Word and you don't do it, you are deceived. You didn't really hear the word. You're just an academic or just going through the motions. You need to hear it and let it transform your life. I'll pray and we're done. Father, do thank you again for the chance to look into your word. We ask that we would be self-critical and allow the spirit to lead us towards a greater walk with Jesus Christ that we may produce the fruit of righteousness in our own lives. And Father, we do look forward to your kingdom and ask that we would live as heirs of that kingdom today, doing the things that would please you today and in eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for being here.